0: You're listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. On this episode of the EdUp Experience, we welcome Marvin Krislov, president of Pace University. Marvin started his presidency on August 1st, 2017 at Pace, and he's deeply committed to Pace's mission of opportunitas, providing all students, regardless of economic background, access to the transformative power of education. In this episode, he talks to us about de-densifying amidst student returns and the concept of intrusive advising. Now, let's get to it.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience. Joe Salustio here.
2: This is Elizabeth Leiber.
1: And on the line, we are very excited to have Marvin. Chris Love, president of Pace University. Marvin, how are you today? How are things going? I'm great. How are you? You know, it's, uh, it's um, I always say I'm, I'm living the dream in my basement.
3: Um, so, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's
1: what it is. Uh, but uh, before we get into it, because uh, we've got a lot of questions for you, how are you? How's your health? How's your family? Um, how's everybody doing in your inner circle? You know,
3: we're doing pretty well. I think we all are adjusting and, uh, you know, I'm in New York and New York is doing really pretty well um, relative to many areas of the country. And uh, so we're looking forward and uh, trying to figure out how to move move ahead um, at pace. That's, that's my focus these days.
1: Well, you know, that's really, that's a good place to start. Um, uh, you know, and there's to, to say that we're not going to ask you at least some questions around COVID-19 would be would be uh, irresponsible and not true. <laughs> so we're gonna, we're gonna sort of jump right into it. But, you know, I was reading an article online today. Or um, uh, article, in fact, where we're talking about the resiliency of students to return to campus, you know, there's has number of um, crises if you will 9 11 and so on and there and and this um, although it's like uh, nothing we've ever seen it's unprecedented you know uh, kids uh, do still want to be social and be on campus so can you talk about that that resiliency in your mind why you think people um, still want to come back to campus and are you seeing that from your students at pace uh, the desire to return
3: Absolutely. We, we are hearing that uh, from our students and seeing that they want to come back. PACE provides a great education and also a lot of experiential opportunities. And so whether they're internships or clinical pl- placements or internships, and, you know, we're, we're being creative about the kinds of experiences that we're going to be able to give students this summer. But one of the things that I really am drawn to about PACE is the energy and the ambition of our students. We have 50%, roughly 50% first generation. Um, they are strivers. They're trying to, um, you know, improve improve their 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 situation for themselves and for their family. And they see education as the path forward. So, um, and and our students, many of them work. Most of them work um, as as well as taking classes. And so there is this determination to get to get ahead and uh, so I think that we're going to see those those character traits really come out and force this fall and that's what I'm hearing from our students
1: Um, good and and so here's a maybe more complicated question and only answer it to the your level of comfort but you know I think a website you have student options for return, um, you know, whether it's full return, the online hybrid and so on, which, which I think is great considering the, the hesitancy of some students to, to make the full jump right now to come back. So I think that's great. Talk, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, because I think this, this uh, is a, an issue that nobody really talks about. So when you have students return to campus, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan for testing, for distancing, for retesting, for quarantine. And so there's an, a, a good amount of resources and planning that has to go into something like that, um, which uh, I'm assuming can increase the costs that PACE uh, has to put out to have students back on campus. And how do you rationalize
0: that uh, with
1: uh, the, the state of the university having students back, maybe seeing in some increased costs for students to return and so on? Can you talk about a little bit about that planning process and how your team, you, you and your team, are really thinking about? Responsibility and financial burn, and so on. Uh, if that if that makes sense.
3: Sure. So we've been planning for the return for many, many months now, and we've had hundreds of people, including the professionals in our very strong College of Health Professionals, working on um, everything from social distancing, uh, dedensifying classrooms, dedensifying elevators in in New York City. Um, thinking about the residence halls, thinking about eating facilities. As, as you probably know, um, we, like every school in America, um, we're, were forced to, to go remote um, without much notice in March. It was, it was a challenge. I think we did pretty well. I was teaching a class at the time, and I will say that it was a transition for me, but it ended up working reasonably well, and I had a, ended up having a great class, um, even though I'd never taught before, um, remotely like that. Um, In terms of the fall, we are working extremely hard. We have many, many people working. We have a task force on transportation, a task force on on academics, on testing, quarantining, and we're working very closely with other universities in the New York region, and we have multiple campuses, so we're talking to people both in our Westchester area as well as the New York City area. We're, we're working with the state because the state has had guidelines on what reopening looks like. And, and those guidelines have, have changed um, over time as things have gotten um, better or in some instances there have you know, been new issues that have come up. Um, so we're working really hard. Um, we're, we think we're, we're ready. Um, and we've been having a lot of dialogue with the community, faculty, staff, and students about what it's gonna take, the educational process for them, about the new way that we will be interacting together. Um, And in terms of the cost, absolutely. It's cost us um, a lot of money. We've had to change the physical plan. We've had to um, have fewer people in classrooms. So that means adding, adding classes. We've added technology so that we can have some classes that you can participate either in person or by, um remote um, and you know we are we're working very hard at trying to make um the financial piece uh work for for everybody and it and we're prioritizing and you know let's hope there's another stimulus bill that might might be helpful, although we've used all our federal stimulus funds to support directly support financial aid for students, but you know that we know students and families also have have had some uh severe Impact during this period as well, and we're trying to do the best we can to help with that as well.
1: Well, that's great. And Liz, I know you you uh, probably want to jump in uh, here, but then that's great here because you know it, it doesn't come without uh, none of this comes without uh, in an enormous amount of planning. I mean, if you think about all of the spider webs if you will, of scenarios that can take place, and um, you know it's it's uh, unpredictable. So you know, I think that's one of the lost um, items that we don't talk about is, yeah, there's plans. There's plans to reopen, the plans not reopen, you can go online, and go out. but we don't know. There's an unpredictable factor out there. And Liz, I, I know you um, You have questions for, for Marvin.
2: Yeah, absolutely, because that's um, really the question on all of our minds, those of us that are in higher education, and especially those of us that work closely with students, uh, um, coming from the faculty perspective, and. And notice that you said that 50% of these students are first gen um, at your campus. And as a first gen college graduate myself, I know that there are always going to be particular challenges for that population of student. You had an article recently where you talked about retention of students during COVID. And can you tell us a little bit about some of the special needs that need to be, should be addressed for students that are coming from uh, backgrounds and and maybe having particular challenges that we might not necessarily see um, the students that are the most vulnerable. What have you done in terms of addressing those needs and what would you advise for schools that have students in their population that may be trying to overcome additional challenges, not just the health and safety aspects, but additional challenges in their own personal life. How can we make sure in higher education that we're responsive to those needs.
3: So this is this is one of the great challenges for us and I think it's really important. I, I'm very worried about not only college students, of course, but even younger students during this period because um, in, we know that K through 12 has not had an, an easy time of it. Um, what I can tell you that we've done is we've worked very hard to connect with students during this period so we've had a lot of activities, everything from dance parties and karaoke's to mm-hmm. uh, career services counseling. Um, one of the things I really wanna highlight is our career services counseling people are just unbelievably um, good at their job. And they, we've, we've been working very hard to get student internships, even if they're virtual internships. And so we started a program um, for this summer called the New York Recovery Internships. We have about 65 students that are working in non-for-profits and social service organizations, and we're funding them um, at, at, at a, a, you know, a minimum wage um, level um, for for several weeks, um, I think roughly six weeks, um, so that they can not only get great experience, have something on their resume, um, Obviously helps them pay the bills, but it also gives these organizations um, the, a shot in the arm to have the kind of energy that our students bring. So we're doing a lot of things to try to help the students connect with each other, uh, both in fun ways and career counseling ways. Our faculty have been reaching out to students, saying we hope to see you this fall, um, and and we care about you and we want to help you. Um, the financial piece, we've 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 done a lot. Um, to try to acknowledge uh, students' financial needs. And there's never enough money, but we're working very hard to try to do that. And, and the message is, particularly for first-gen students, we, and or students who may not feel um, as, as connected for one reason or another, we really want you at pace. We believe in you. We will support you um, even during this very difficult time. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why we are, providing the range of of options for this fall is because some students really need to be in person for much of their experience. And I think that's often true in in, in first generation um, students, not only certainly, um, but to have that direct connection with mentors, with faculty, with other students and so forth. So uh, we're really trying to be very flexible and understand the needs. I also will just say that one of the other areas that we've been um, addressing is the mental health and well-being of students, mm-hmm. and we know that this is a really, really tough time. I mean, I know, you know, even for someone who is not a student like myself, um, you know, the limitations on on socializing and and sort of freedom of movement that we normally would have is quite challenging, in, in the sense of isolation that that may set in, and then particularly if you're in a in an environment where you see people being sick um, or not doing so well, um, it can be even more challenging. And so um, we've really worked very hard to keep our, our counseling services open um, and our health services open, trying to reach out to students. I'm on a task force by the Steve Fund that looks at um, the mental health and well being of students of color, and we think that all students have had. Um, some challenges during this period, but we're especially concerned about those that might be to first generation or students of color who may be facing um, even more challenges than, than um, some of the other students in our populations.
1: Marvin, I want to for stay sure. on that. Just for, uh, Liz, if I could jump in real fast. because I
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, go ahead.
1: One, um, one of our past guests, recent past uh, guests said that students and staff a more students and staff are in a grieving stage, um, meaning, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, understand that they can't do exactly what they want to do or be with the students in the way they want to be with the students or teach the way they wanted to teach. Um, and so, I guess my question revolves, you know, New York um, was a was a, a hot spot for COVID, and, and since then, you know, the states come under control and seen declining cases and vaccine cases, and so things are starting to to uh, be more and to be easier to live, I guess, if you will. Are, are you seeing uh, students and staff still grieving about this situation? Do you think people have gotten over it or are moving forward in ways, or? Because you know, I thought that was a really interesting way to put it, that, that students and, and staff are in a grieving stage of, of you know, not being together, not being um, in class the way they want to, not do the things they want to. And talk about, you know, your staff uh, and students at Pace and, and how people are responding.
3: You know, I think that's a great observation, and I think um, both of those things are going on. I think there are some people... Um, who are still in various stages of grieving. Um, So, for instance, I'll mention that our athletics conference just decided that we would not be able to have fall sports. Um, That just happened last week. And, you know, I think that's going to happen. That's happening pretty much everywhere over the country, around the country. And we'll we'll have to see, but, but I think that that's probably going to be the conclusion for particularly the contact sports. And certainly for those student athletes who train and work so hard for that 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 activity you know it must there there will be a process of grieving some of the students in the spring sports had this experience Um, we also have students who have other types of experiences performances that are going to have to be modified tremendously Um, so there is a sense of of grieving i will say that i also see some really positive signs that we are using technology in ways to be creative and do things that can be fun um and and connect us as a community and um we we really try to focus this summer on ways to um, rebuild as a community to connect with each other and to think about going forward how we can be innovative Um, and you know we're all of course looking forward to the day when when some of the the activities that we cherish will will come back. Um, sports is, is obviously is just one of many, um, but I also think that we have learned during this period that there are things we can do with technology that may be helpful to us. Um, you know, one of the things that that certainly some of our our staff and and faculty have learned is that there are ways to to work remotely productively, um, and that may that may have some benefit. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's been a mixed experience, and I think most people that I've talked to are sort of turning the corner um, and trying to look forward. I think students are really eager to get back. Um, I, know my, I know my daughter is, is really eager to get back, even if it's not going to be exactly what she might have hoped it would be, but she's really looking forward to it. So I think there's a lot of, of of, of cautious optimism, um, about what the fall is going to look like.
1: Awesome. Liz, sorry to wrestle the mic from you. Take, take it, take it back.
2: Oh, oh, I'm about to wrestle it back. Don't worry about that. Uh, (laughs) I got you covered. I know, I know. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the fact that as you both alluded to, there, there's a lot of, um, I think in higher education circles, reevaluation of what we do, how we serve students, what our missions are as um, higher education institutions. And one thing that really struck me in terms of pace and this idea of awesome school and, and your overall goal and the liberal arts aspect is that you've really done, I think something that a lot of schools need to take note of in that you're thinking about the practical aspects of what an Absolutely. education should serve to, to, as outcomes for the student. A bit, now with COVID, everyone's thinking about ROI because it's like, okay, kids are home. So if parents are looking at their, their child, they're, and they're an adult, but they're, their child still, because my child's 21 and I still think of her as my child, on a computer doing their work. And it's like, okay, what's, what's the end game here? And I love that you talked about your internship program Talk to us a little bit more about some of the practical elements that you've implemented as far as the pace path. And recently you were highlighted in the news as far as um, a, a GI bill um, modification in terms of upskilling. These are some of the things that we're going to be thinking about post-COVID. We're going to have a ton of people in the workplace, and we have students that are really, and parents, myself included, that are really evaluating, okay, this price tag, I love the idea of walking the, the the ivory covered buildings and and throwing frisbee on the quad but after all is said and done in covid times that may not necessarily be what's going to be happening so end result is a degree that will lead to and we hope a well-paying job how are Absolutely. you addressing that with some of your programs that you're you have initiated there at pace
3: well thank you for that question liz and as as you mentioned we have what we call the pace path which is An individually designed program to help students think about how their education and their jobs and their internships will all fit together. And of course, this is An ongoing process and I actually teach a class that we give to every first year student called introduction to the university and we talk about um, How to handle your finances, how to take care of yourself, how to study um, how to manage your time time management is still, I think, the number one challenge for for entering students, for uh, oh, yeah. undergraduates, um, and then at the end we t- we we talk about let's create a plan for you, um, and we we I think we focus on the first two years, um, that first semester because you know, things change so rapidly, and of course some of, some of the students adhere to what they design that first semester, and some of them change it dramatically. Um, I I teach in a in a group that um, of unexpected, Undecided students or exploring students. So it's a particularly interesting group because their ideas really can be quite varied, but we really try to help them um, think about how this all fits together and um, The faculty and the students and the staff are all really aligned in thinking that it's great to have the liberal arts core, and there are certain skills that we want you to learn, writing, analytical thinking, critical thinking, quantitative skills, and everyone has to take a computer science course, for instance. Um, and, you know, because that, that's absolutely imperative in today's world, and, you know, that probably is going to be even more so after, after this period of COVID. Um, but we want, we want students to not only have a great education, but go on to a great um career and 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 life satisfaction. And so um and we do that I think extraordinarily well. Um, there was the study by Raj Chetty and his colleagues now at Harvard that ranked us as the number one private university in the country uh for upward mobility. And so we really I
2: saw that. Congratulations
3: yeah. on that. That's awesome. Thank you. We're so mm-hmm. proud of, of that. And and you know some students choose different paths, and, 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 but we really want to help them think about their paths. And so the faculty and the staff are very attuned to working with students, and we have a great alumni mentoring program as well. Um, so I think for the parents who are thinking about what's this education going to lead to, um, really no better investment than and then Pace University.
0: Hey, everyone, this is Joe just reminding you to check out our website at www.edupexperience.com where you can find and explore all of the content that we've released under the EdUp Experience brand, including multiple podcast series, EdUp Elites, EdUp Embedded, and EdUp Experts. You can also suggest topics or guests for our podcast, then head over to YouTube Check out our channel, The Edup Experience, and you're going to find that my amazing co-host Elizabeth Leiba has started a new web series called Edup Unplugged, where she talks about racism in America with special guests coming on that web series. We've got a lot going on at the Edup Experience. Again, check out our website at www.edupexperience.com. Now let's get back to our guest.
2: Absolutely. And that's something that I think as we go into these um, unforeseen times that we'll definitely want to be thinking about from from the parent perspective, for sure, I can say. And just in terms of making sure that we serve our students' needs as, as well as possible so that they can, like you said, in, in terms of the upward economic mobility, understand that education and, and making sure they get a degree is still the best path forward as far as um, overall career success for their future.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Also the fact that you're, you
1: know, the thing you said is you're you're teaching um, your students how to handle their finances, you know, financial education is one of those areas. Uh, As adults, uh, we're complaining uh, that that people behind us completely understand, particularly, um, you know, college and understanding a return. and, and you know these simple facts that you're you're going to get a job and you can pay off your loans and you know don't take out a, you know the credit card for you know twenty thousand uh, dollars while you're a undergraduate like I did um, and it took me until mm-hmm. I was almost uh, thirty years old to pay off to pay oh that boy. Off. like you know
2: um,
1: <laughs> but I mean you know that's that's part of a part of a, a lot, you know, I call a lack of understanding. You, you're a college kid, maybe you don't have the means yeah. that, that you need, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. take out a credit card so I could go. Uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, well, they
2: the they, sit, they used to sit, they used to sit on campus, like right in the middle of campus, and hey, come get a free T-shirt. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we really
3: consider it part of our mission to work with families to say, let's form a plan. How much loan, how much grant, how much work can you do? And sometimes we, we tell parents, "I'm not sure this is a realistic plan." And mm-hmm. um, you know that's that's a hard conversation to have, um, really but we hard. really we, and you know th- there's a lot of I mean these these are not easy discussions to have because you're talking about the future and everyone wants to dream dream big and so forth, but we also want the students to graduate. And that is that is the goal and so um, and we're really really focused on that and my, my provost um, created this this pledge that we say when the students come and it talks about um, you know all the right things about helping others and, and so forth and so on but graduated four years and of course you know not everyone does graduate in four years but we really want to do everything we can to enforce that that is the goal and to try to keep people on track and we're talking about um, we've beefed up our advising program um, what we are calling intrusive advising to really tell students you may want to take that class but let's keep you on track you really need to finish up this requirement or this in your major and so forth and and so it's it's keeping you financially well, keeping you mentally well, and keeping you on track to graduate, and also, you know, keeping you engaged in your community, because after all, the social aspect is so important, uh, particularly, you know, for, for uh, the undergraduates.
1: Uh, can you elaborate? Before he lets that go, Liz, i really like you to yeah. elaborate on intrusive yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, I was going to ask the same question because I'm just like fascinated by this whole idea, especially for first gen students, because I think that sometimes gets lost. I mean, when we talk about intrusive. I think sometimes we have a mentality in higher education like, hey, they're an adult, like they gotta get independent and do their own thing. And we've talked to um, guests in the past few weeks where a lot of times the students are coming from a first generation background. They may not have even had anyone in their family that's gone to college. So that, in truth, that idea of being intrusive it, from a cultural perspective. And just from a perspective of them not having the context of even being exposed to college, it's intrusive in a sense when we think about it, because it's just like, why would you do that? They're an adult. But really, like you're alluding to, they need those extra support mechanisms. So you talk a little bit more about that and how maybe other schools model something similar. Because I think working in higher education, sometimes we don't want to be, like you said, quote, unquote, intrusive because we feel like they're an adult. They need to do their own right. thing and be independent. So how do you overcome that? And, and implement something like that that really is holistic and really hugs that student that needs a little bit more care and um, attention.
3: Well, we try to give, I mean, an intrusive doesn't mean rude, of course, intrusive means <laughs> present. It means right. present and, and active and engaged. Right. And so when we say intrusive advising, it means that we reach out and we say to a student, look, I've been looking at your transcript. And you're doing well in X and Y, but we really need you to focus on Z. And and what are you thinking of? And you know, since I'm I'm not an an advisor, although I work with obviously people who are advisors, and I do that that first year uh, class, and it really gives me a window into what the students where the students are coming from. And our students come from all different places. And one of the things that that I think we've learned is you have to meet the students where they they are. So I meet students who say I want to be a forensics science major and this is what I want to do and and you know this is what I want to study and this is the kind of job and so forth and then and then they they change their minds or or then I have students who say I just don't know what to do, and so you try to draw out of them what what they're thinking about and as a father of three I, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. even even very very bright motivated students change their minds very frequently and they sometimes (laughs) come up with ideas that are based on relatively little information even though there's so much information available so i think what we really need to do because we are so focused on getting people through and getting people through to a deg- in, with the degree and the experiences that will allow them to succeed, student success is our goal, um, that we need to reach out to them. And, you know, intrusive advising means not waiting for students to
2: come see you. One of the questions. Oh, yes. If you could scream that from the mountaintop yeah. yeah, I yeah, just yeah. wish you could for these what? schools out here that say, well, if the student needs help, they should come to me and, and ask. They're an adult. They need to ask me
3: you know I, I I usually talk to the first years to welcome them, and this year I guess we 'll do it remotely, so i don 't know if i 'll be able to get them to raise their hands or or shout out but we'll work we 'll work with the technology to try to do that <laughs> but you know I say to the students, "Have you ever heard of office hours? What are office hours exactly. know what office hours are and they exactly. most of them look at me like you know maybe one student will will come up with the answer, probably somebody you know whose parent or something worked in right. in, a, in a college or university but right. students don't know what office hours and we're going to have okay. virtual office hours and and you know even though i'm very um uh i think active as, as a teacher you know it's not always easy to get students to come to office hours and yeah. um sometimes they're intimidated they don't exactly. know what to say you know okay. I've, I've had students say well i don't really i'm not really having a problem so why would I go to an office hour? Well, you go because maybe you're interested in the subject area, or maybe you want to have some advice, or maybe it's just a good way to check in with somebody. But sure. but faculty, I mean, particularly I think first gen students, but not only feel a little mm-hmm. scared. They think they need to have a really um, carefully crafted question that is exactly. you know going to be worthy of this great professor. And, and it, it's really not like it. Most of us are just happy for the student to say, you know, I was sort of interested exactly. in this. What, what do you think? And, and, and then we
2: talk the ear off for like an
3: hour. Yeah. And <laughs> we're sort of, you know, we're so desperate for people to show up at our yeah. office hours that we're, we're really right. glad. And and I don't know, we've, we as a community, Liz and Joe, we need yeah. to find a better term for office hours because clearly yeah. it just – not working <laughs> and, and it, here's 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 a challenge for for all the listeners come up with a better term for mm-hmm. office hours particularly in this new era I don't know I don't I know what, it. but um something challenge accepted is, yeah something more <laughs> inviting and exciting sounding yes. because but that's what an intrusive advisor does he she they doesn't wait for someone to come they say you know come see me let's talk And and sometimes hounds them, I mean, truthfully, sometimes you you do need to to really get after students. um, And that's, I think that's the way we're going to succeed. For sure
1: i have to be honest when i hear office hours there better be a couch for me to lay on in there when I start. <laughs>
2: that sounds ideal right office,
1: yeah, office hours is time for me to sit down and tell you all all my issues yeah that's what that's what yeah 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 it's not the greatest
3: yeah. term we'll we'll work on no. it yeah. um so uh you've
1: got a really interesting background um uh marvin and um you know be becoming a university president particularly in this time you know i don't think when you took the office uh, it looks like in 2017 that you thought you'd be going through a, a pandemic um, no so, <laughs> i didn't <laughs> i didn't know somebody behind have my because yes i knew it was going to happen um but you know you you were at the university of michigan as the general counsel vp and general counsel you um uh, you know really defended uh, the university in some big cases, you're dealing with affirmative action, where does this, I'm going to want to talk about your leadership and your uh, view on leadership, where does this situation rank? If you're a university president, you're going through COVID, you're dealing with student services on a level that had to be stepped up amidst this pandemic and trying to manage all of these items, you are, you, you are and we're an attorney for a massive university with, that had some issues in defense of that university, where does this rank in terms of your in terms of your leadership? Is is COVID the toughest thing you've ever seen, and and is this
3: where you really had to dig deep into your leadership? I I've got to say that I think for anybody in this type of position, this has to be the number one toughest challenge that that we've ever faced. I mean, because it's so encompassing and so um, variable um, in every every day, and so you know, yes, I had some challenges in Michigan, I had challenges at Oberlin, but they were a little more it was, it was the timeline was a little clearer, um, one of the challenges with the the pandemic is we really don 't know what the timeline is, so it 's very hard yeah. sometimes to really plan, um, and we don 't know what it 's going to be like and you know, there are, there are obviously twists and turns in, in in most major problems, but this is just so big and it affects so many aspects of our lives and, you know, our country is also going through so much as well. So obviously anti-racism and Black Lives Matter on top of the pandemic and the economic challenges. I mean, it's it's hard to separate all these different things, but there's a lot going on. And um, universities generally are institutions that people want predictability. I mean, faculty tend to want predictability. Students and staff want predictability. I think that's true of most institutions, but universities tend to be ones that rely a lot on tradition and culture. We have the same schedules. We have many people teach the same classes. Um, You know, the seasons change, but there's a lot of continuity, and this is a time when Continuity really is not is not assured. Uh, one of my students said to me, You know tomorrow is not guaranteed and of course there's in the the very real sense um you know people's health is 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 not guaranteed either and so I think this has got to be just the 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 ch- most challenging thing that I've been through professionally and and everybody I've talked to um would tell you the same.
1: Have you had to change our leadership? But-
3: have you had to dig deep at times
1: have you you know because i think um you know vulnerability is really important as a leader and you've got to project confidence particularly in times when when staff and and students are are grieving in a grieving process um and and we as leaders have to be allowed to have that grieving, but maybe not 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 in front of everyone all the time can you talk a little bit about how you've you know have you changed your leadership style have you done things in a different way to reach staff or students in a different way in response to this, uh, this uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, and I think that's you know one of our, for our listeners, um, this is a big part of, of the end of experiences about professional development and learning how other people handle challenge. Um, so you know if you could uh, open up the book for us a little bit on how you've dealt with this from a leadership uh, perspective and any changes you've made to your style or philosophy, that would be great to hear.
3: Well, I've tried to be very empathetic and understanding because I think that you have to start from that place. And, and I think that that's something that I would do under any circumstances. But here, um, there are so many people who have so many things going on. And, of course, we can't know what those things might be. We don't know about people's families. We don't know about people's. Um, financial situations and so forth and and so what i tried to do and and we've we've as a team tried to do is be very um empathetic and caring and understanding Um, we also need to project uh confidence um even though we know and we also have tried to say be, be humble enough to say we don't know all the answers so it's like trying to be empathetic trying to be confident that we're going to succeed but under, uh, admitting that we don't have all the answers and some of the answers take time and some of the answers are just evolving because um, this is a disease that um, you know takes twists and turns and you know new york new york was really challenging and now new york is looking very good and the question is what what policies is the is the new york state um, government going to have that, that tries to protect um, the gains that, that New York made in terms of ensuring the public health of people. So, you know, I don't know that I have changed my fundamental beliefs, but I think that um, this has challenged um, my, my abilities um, in a way that probably it hasn't been challenged before, uh, particularly because so many people um are grieving or are having challenges and and i want to be both empathetic but also help them feel that there's someone who is um taking care of them and and will help lead them um to to a, a a stronger tomorrow outstanding
1: liz do you have any uh other questions
2: yeah my final question would just be um you alluded to the the Black Lives Matter and some of the civil unrest. It's definitely something that we've spoken with other guests about as far as how their colleges are negotiating and navigating all of these different issues that impact students uh, now and will impact them in the future once they graduate. You have a very diverse population, 50% first-gen students. And how are you, in obviously in a very diverse city, how are you addressing those concerns with students? And, and what have you done to ensure that students understand that you understand what they're going through and and some of the particular challenges that all of this um, social unrest and civil unrest is uh, posing in terms of impacting their lives.
3: So we first wanted to be very clear about our values and our mission and um, we affirmed our commitment to anti-racism and 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 diverse and diversity equity and inclusion and we have a very um capable chief diversity officer and she she helped us um with that um we're setting up a presidential task force to look at everything including um staffing and student experience and 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 curriculum of course curriculum is the purview of the faculty so that's going to be um not so much at the administration level, but more at the faculty level. But we've also had a lot of discussions and and we've met with the students and heard their concerns and um, they've been extremely impressive in terms of saying exactly what they want and what they're concerned about. And we're working on their concerns and we think um, there's a lot that we can do in the short term. Some of the the challenges are longer term. and uh, for instance, uh, diversifying the faculty, that's, that's a, longer term, a longer term process. But there are things about uh, creating uh, development opportunities for faculty and staff as well as students. And um, our leadership team is committed to doing this work ourselves. And so at our leadership meeting every week, we're talking about these issues and, and learning and thinking about them and trying to work on them together and being open with each other about areas that we're not sure um how to how to act and what what's the best thing to do so we're trying to be vulnerable and um but also trying to listen and trying to act and helping students who are in in many cases the most vocal about this understand the processes of the university and i think there's something valuable we need to act and we need to act quickly um, but we also need to help students understand the way these processes work and that's actually an educational value as well that they will they will gain um, by working uh, with whatever the process is to try to create change and so you know it's a it's it's a long-term uh, commitment of ours but there are things that we're doing in the short run as well and um, you know pace is I think had a commitment to these values, but like every institution in America, we're being called on to do more and to do better. And, and I certainly believe that we're up for that challenge and we're working on it.
1: Outstanding. Well, we've got two final, well, one final question for you and then an opportunity for you to, same thing you'd like about Pace. There's a final question for us um, that we have for any guest is what do you think the future of higher education is going to look like. Uh, and you can take you know, that in any way you, you want. And then after that, uh, if you'd like to say, if there's anything we missed, anything you'd like to say about Pace University, we'd love you to, to add that in.
3: Well, I think in terms of the future, that the pandemic has created an environment where the importance of education has been highlighted. Um, Information workers, uh, people who are using technology, um, are much more able to work remotely and have survived the pandemic. Those workers who are not in that position have had much tougher time. And um, we need to take care of everybody. And one of the things that we're talking about is what role can education play in providing the skills to all workers and, and all students um, so that they can have good careers and good jobs. And I think that there are gonna be people who are gonna be heading back to school. And I hope the government supports that, those efforts. I think um, the three jobs that I'm hearing from our career services that are in high demand are health, technology, and digital marketing. And obviously things will ebb and flow um but i think that that gives you some indication of where the markets are and so i think a lot of people are going to go back to school and of course we know that in in ec- economically tough times um, many people do go back to school for graduate education i think graduate education is going to be more varied i think there's going to be um, more online and i think there are going to be um, more one-year master's programs and maybe even programs short of a full-on degree, certificates or badges. And I think that PACE and, and other universities will need to step up and think about how to equip um, the changing workforce um, with the, the right skills. And you know one of the things that we do is we really try to talk to employers and hear their needs and try to in some instances work out specifically designed programs with employers to meet the needs, whether it's an individual employer or a sector. Um, one of the things, for instance, that we've done a lot with is data analytics and, and that, that growing field. So I think the future is gonna be that there's gonna be, there're gonna be a lot of people returning to school um, for graduate programs or graduate, or some sort of certificates. I think for undergraduates, I think that um, the in-person experience will still be very powerful for many students, but I would not be surprised if more students are like our students where they're juggling um, the educational experience and some either jobs or internships or clinical programs. Um, and, and I think that that's what we're hearing from the families that they, they really want that and that's what is attracting them to PACE. Um, so, you know, I think the other thing that, that is gonna be a question is, is what role is the government going to have ensuring access because um, i you know I am, am worried that this pandemic has disadvantaged uh, people from less wealthy families, working class families uh, families of color, and I think it's really, really important for our country um, that the government and 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 the private sector step in to make sure that education is available to all, and uh, high-quality education is available to all too. So, you know, I'm I'm worried about some of the inequities that have been exposed as a result of the pandemic, and um, that's an important part of the education of of America as well. Um, in terms of what can I tell you, I think that Pace students and Pace faculty and staff are really Terrific community, and we're we are ready to, 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 to face the future. I will say that anyone who wants to join our community should definitely check us out on, on pace. edu, www. pace. edu, and uh, anyone who wants to invest in the future of of America um, could do a lot worse than than investing in in places like Pace, because I think this is really where um, this country's strength um lies and i think we need to we need to to confirm affirm our belief in the power of education to change people's lives and that's presumably one of the goals of this of this podcast to to see the way that it affects different people and i think at pace we really demonstrate that very powerfully
1: outstanding
3: well you've said it all marvin uh,
1: we we really appreciate you uh making yourself available for the Edup experience uh, Liz, uh, thank you for your contributions. Marvin, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Um, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Marvin Block, president of Pace University. Thank you.
2: Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com
3: and If you want to be in on the live recordings, please sign up for our email list. Go to edupexperience.com and sign up to be a subscriber. We'll let you know how you can listen in live and get the scoop before anyone else does. So, please, as always, feel free to share this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate that. You've been listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business with your hosts, Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liva, and Elvin Freitas.